Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Comic Bookies podcast. Episode 120 is here. Uh, sorry, Mark is under the weather, so me and Sean are doing our thing. We are brought to you by Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California. Today, the 14th of July, 2021, is New Comic Book Day. So go out, talk to Alex. He'll get you started on a pull list, and he can get your new and old comics any way you want. Uh, mailed to you. You can walk in mask or maskless, but anyway. But we have a third person, Sean. We have another week of interviews. I can't wait for this one. This is literally colliding the worlds of sports and comics. He has a great book out right now, a two-issue anthology series on Kickstarter called Nightlife Noir. But we're not just talking that. We're talking movies. We're talking books. We're talking NBA. We're talking NFL, everything under the sun. But Jack Mulqueen, all the way from New York City. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for joining the show. Awesome. Thanks for being here, guys. How's it going, brother? Man, this is this, man. definitely the definition of sports and comics in our pre-production talking to you, man. First and foremost, you know, outside of all that stuff, how are you doing? COVID stuff's been going crazy. Things have been getting better. How's everything in New York? And things have been going swimmingly. It's uh, it's it's really encouraging to see. We've uh, we've been enjoying uh, a great summer, uh, like across all of our different uh venues and i mean you might recall that it was just um you know just a a shade over a year ago uh that new york city was really one of like the hotbeds of activity um you know when the pandemic first started and um you know so to to see the city make such a resounding comeback um obviously you know to uh to be able to enter into madison square garden for the first playoff game in eight years uh with a packed house um was was really something special and um you know if it's any indication uh uh, we're gonna we're gonna be due for uh a great fall and and you know certainly in in endemic to my particular business the the restaurant and and uh and hospitality field um yeah people are really starting to return in droves and mojo is uh is back for sure so thank you guys yeah no no problem we Thoroughly enjoy having you on so far. Um, I can't wait. See, this is the thing that I wanted to get into most is, you know, COVID hit us in many different ways. You know, the sheltering in place, especially, you know, yourself being in New York and us, we're in California. We're, we were two of the most stricter states when it came to rules and things closing and masks and, and, and everything related to COVID. So I know that you had to close your businesses. You had to, you had to shut down, you know, and, you know, you didn't grow us a, a silly beard. You know, you didn't cut your own hair. You didn't, you know, just develop a drinking problem like a lot of us did in the shelter in place. You did what any sane person would do and you created a comic book. You know, please tell me like how I'm I'm sure you have a background in maybe writing or whatever. But please tell me how you got from, you know, nightlife to nightlife noir. Yeah, so I well, I write my background in writing really kind of originated from, uh, you know, writing all of the copy for uh, like the marketing copy for my respective businesses, you know, from the uh, the Instagram captions to the menu and like on premise collateral uh, as well. So um, I also have have a food blog that I kind of uh, perpetuate for fun um, because I get asked quite a bit for food recommendations um, and so that was really just where I was allocating uh, uh, my creative efforts. And, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, during the pandemic, um, you know, we, 
it, nightlife and, and restaurants and bars were one of the first places to like immediately shut down. So we're talking, you know, overnight, I went from, you know, having three healthy, vibrant businesses to having to immediately shutter our doors, lay off our entire staff. You know, we're talking of uh, over 100 people uh, that we had to lay off, which, um, you know, did not uh, was something that I that, that that I took with a great deal of gravitas. Um, and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like the, the, the very notion that I've predicated my career upon this idea of, you know, gathering people together for meaningful and meaningless uh, frivolous diversions is now being deemed like a public uh, health and safety uh, uh, crisis. And that was uh, that was kind of like a mini existential crisis that I had. So uh, my fiance and I packed up our, our bags. We went up to, to our house in Vermont and I had my I had my The Shining moment, you know, where <laughs> I'm like locked in my cabin in Vermont um, and, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So I was like, you know, what else can I do? Like, I have to sit down and, and get to writing. Um, and so I don't even remember really how, like, like what, what my origin story was per se, but I, I do recall that there was a, a list on IGN that Brian Michael Bendis published. Um, that was like the five books that he recommended for somebody who's considering getting into comics. And uh, like in terms of the craft of uh, writing in the medium of comics and sequential art. And so on a whim, I, I ordered all of them and I basically kind of like set about teaching myself something of a curriculum, you know, as a as a long time comics casual and just somebody who enjoyed, uh, um, you know, the medium and and in particular, the big two. Like that's really kind of where my uh, where my background uh, lay. Um, all of a sudden I was exposed to like the full breadth of stories that are being told in this medium, uh, you know, from independent publishers and some of the older prestige type stuff and, and really learning about, um, you know, the nuances of, uh, you know, how many panels in a page, how many, how many words do you want to put in, uh, in a caption? Um, there is, you know, people have like very clearly delineated uh, ideas of, of, of what these principles should be. But then also one of the things that really attracted me to it was that, um, you know, that I feel like all comics writers have this inherent rebellious uh, streak to them. And um, where, where, where rules really are meant to be broken and, and, the, and the medium is meant to be uh, expanded in, in very, um, and, and flourish and advanced in very cool and exciting ways. Um, and so, yeah, so that, so that was very attractive to me. And then another thing that I learned very quickly is that anybody who has gotten into comics, you have to seek comics out, you know, like, like it, it's, it's, it's a little bit niche, you know, people consider it like a, like a large village uh, in many respects, but I was really attracted to how, friendly and welcoming and accommodating and open-minded uh everyone in this space was when you when you have when you engage with fellow creators or or fellow lovers uh on twitter how uh warm and gregarious uh, people are willing to share resources willing to share stories so uh that to me was really attractive because as you can imagine in new york city 
you know, it's very rare to even get the time of day from a stranger. So um, I, I really appreciate kind of like the warmth uh, that people in the comics uh, bubble uh, tend to have. I'm baffled by, in such a good way, you're obviously really well-spoken, man. And if comics is like probably the most recent thing you've done from being in the hospitality industry, obviously being a big sports fan, what we've already talked about in pre-production, and then reading your six short stories of Nighttime Noir, I got to give it to you, bro. It is awesome. And if this is just the beginning, then I think the comic world definitely has to watch out because I love the creativity you have in each story. And it was like, I can see that happening. I can see that happening. And that's something that Mike, Mark, and myself, we've always loved. You got the big two. You got the Marvel, the DC. But, we, you know, we've seen the Kickstarter. We've seen all these independent publishers. And we just love how realistic and the realism that's in it. How hard was it for you to come up with these basically six different stories? As short as they were, it was pretty much a full story within itself. Yeah, so, that uh, you know, it's really interesting because I um, – I, I found that it, as a writing exercise for a new writer, um, the more kind of parameters and confines that I could give myself, the the more tight and cohesive the story would be. So, you know, one of the things that you'll commonly hear about uh, comics is that there's no there's no budget. And that's why so much of the best IP that's being created right now is originating from this medium, because you aren't confined to, you know, like like a conventional film budget or something where if you if you have a, a, a lower budget, you know, that limits the amount of uh, production assistance you can have, the amount of actors that you can have, where you can film. Um, really, the only confines are your imagination. And where people say that the budget comes into play is in terms of the page count. Right. Because there's a there's a labor cost and a production cost associated with with each page that you create. And that's where, you know, initially when I sat down, I got about 80 pages through writing this sweeping uh, sci fi epic that involved like the world of DJing. And I said, what the hell am I going to do now? Like, I don't have, I don't personally have the budget to finance like a full length, 165 page graphic novel. That's going to take an artist uh, a year to create, you know? So I said, let me try writing in the medium of short stories. Um, and, and, you know, as you can imagine, there's so many interesting characters that you'll kind of like encounter working in the world of New York city nightlife that I really didn't have to veer too far into, into fiction in order to get uh, subject matter that I found very intriguing. And so a lot of these stories that you're reading in the collection are very much grounded in reality um, and, and in some personal experiences that I've had uh, operating, uh, you know, some of my first venues here in New York City. And maybe I embellished a little bit and maybe in some instances I, I, I ramped up the third act to 11 for dramatic effect. <laughs> Of course, but, uh, of course. But really what I wanted to do here was kind of lampoon uh, a lot of the kind of like archetypal characters that you'll find, you know, out and about in New York at night. And then also uh, it is very much kind of like a love letter to the scene that, um, you know, I've poured the better part of the last decade into uh, from, from a professional capacity. Um, I feel really fortunate that uh, that my career has taken me to this place where 
lines between work and play have been kind of blurred uh, in such a substantial way. And, and, and so I wanted to write something that not only would feel native and endemic to me, like as a person, so that when I told people, like when I, when I, when I announced that I was launching this project, that it didn't catch people completely out of left field. Um, but also that I, that I thought that this is a space that hasn't necessarily been explored. And I have such like a, a, a unique, uh, like a window into it that, um, that it was nice to kind of be able to shed that, sh- shed some light on that. Are you talking about Sunday Mofongo when you talk about cranking it up to 11 in the third act? Cause, <laughs> cause, cause, cause let me tell you that was, that was, whoa, okay. They went there. Like that was crazy. But, um, kind of going off of that, it's cool to see something like that. Uh, and then just everything centered around the nightlife and DJing and just that whole lifestyle. But it's but six stories that are so different. Sunday Mofongo is way different than El Disco Erotic. It's so much different than the life of the party. It's like so different. And it's cool that it's also six different artists. So that's awesome. Yep. You know, when you don't have that year long timeline, was it kind of crazy to, to, to have to cram all of the writing you're doing one writing, but you're also having to coordinate six different people and then their work as well. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they say, th- well, thank you, by the way, for, for the kind words. And, um, you know, they say that the best way to learn how to make comics is by making comics. Um, <laughs> and for this project, I really, yeah, I had to take on kind of like an, e- an editor role um, it wasn't the first time that I've um, that I've written for creatives because, you know, I do um, some large uh, ticketed warehouse parties in Brooklyn throughout the calendar year, kind of like one off nomadic style parties. And I always do like a really cool um, animated video, uh, like an announcement video in conjunction with uh, kind of like launching the party. Um, and so I have these really talented uh, animators who I work with from Tel Aviv. They're, they're called True Twins. Um, and, and certainly I've had to write scripts for them before and, and, and have them animated, uh, for that. So, so that was kind of, it, 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 it felt very natural to me, uh, to be working with such, uh, talented creatives. But the one thing that I couldn't have been possibly prepared for was, um, you know, the moment when, the, I, the the script would be returned and I would receive, you know, the roughs back or the pencils back for the first time and see how, uh, you know, how in some instances the scripts were adapted and improved in ways that I couldn't have possibly imagined, you know, because comics at the end of the day is, is a very collaborative medium. And, you know, what, one of my one of my artists, uh, his name is Andre. Uh, uh, one of my artist collaborators is from Siberia. And here I am describing a nightclub in New York City to him. To me, I, I had no idea what his experience was like in, in terms of like a nightlife setting. I mean, I don't know what the nightlife is like in Siberia, but I imagine they drink quite a bit of vodka there to keep warm. <laughs> um, but but um, but yeah, and, and, he, and he nailed it. You know, and he really elevated the story in a way that I couldn't have possibly imagined. And so that to me was immediately gratifying. And there was a lot of, you know, kind of managing the different parts. But um, for this first project, I said, you know, especially because I was kind of uh, self-publishing it, that I wanted no expense to be spared. 
Um, you know, I, I was able to, uh, you know, extend deadlines where necessary. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to get, you know, have a couple of industry friends who I, who I, who I had connected with, who helped me along the way. Like, um, you know, a buddy of mine, Sebastian Gerner is the editor in chief of TKO presents. And he passed me along to, uh, the, the book printer. So the book itself feels, feels incredible in your hands. I mean, this is like, it's There's a hard copy right yeah, there, man. That's awesome. It has such a nice weight to it. Um, so yeah, so these came out really incredibly, and um, you know, to me it was it was very exciting to be able to work with a different illustrator for each of the stories because, I mean, I really find that um, the collection itself really sings as the sum of its parts. You know, um, each each art style is so distinct, um, and each artist brings such a unique sensibility and flair to it uh that despite the fact that the subject matter and the writing is all relatively similar um i i I feel like the package really feels very different from story to story so that that was something that i set out to accomplish and uh, i think you know thanks to the amazing skills of uh of my of my artist collaborators uh, we did a really good job and I could definitely see how rewarding it is by the way you're talking. And even just like I could see you talking, you know, you're proud of yourself, man. And that's awesome, especially really you just came from, hey, COVID impacted me the way that it did. Like it impacted probably so many different people. So, hey, I'm going to you know, I'm going to freaking get into freaking comic books and look what you got, man. A beautiful first project. Now, is there a short story within it, though, that kind of like, oh, that's my baby right there? Is there one that you kind of gravitate to a little bit more? Your favorite, your, your favorite child. <laughs> there has to be a favorite child, man, because I know you mentioned you worked with all these different artists, collaborated with all these different people. So I know they all probably have a special thing to it. But me personally, I like them all, but I especially liked a brief moment in ecstasy, of ecstasy. That was definitely a good one. That was that. That's an amazing one, and you know that's the one that that, um, that and and the artist uh, Mark and I have established something of a friendship. Like we're kind of pen pals now. He's from Barcelona, um, and, and the dead like he was the one who needed who needed me to extend the deadline, and I said, you know, with pleasure, like my friend, like take as long as you need to do the best work possible. Um, and when he turned around the the inks for that my jaw almost hit the floor because there's there's one panel in there where it's like a from from the perspective of the bartender and you have like you know uh the bar really at full throat people clamoring over each other patrons holding out cash holding out credit cards like you really see the 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 anxiety and the tension there um and i said man like how did you how did you depict this in such a an accurate way and he was like well my friend I actually was was a bartender for many years at a nightclub in Barcelona um and and so so I was able to draw from my own personal experience and I was like yes like that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me uh in the slightest so yeah that one really that one really uh struck a chord for me that one was actually based very much off of a, a former employee of mine who um you know kind of uh, grew up as a uh, financial aid student uh, t- at one of the most uh, posh high schools on the Upper East Side, and then um, later came to work for me as a bartender. And many of his um, classmates were patrons, and they didn't recognize him. 
And every time that uh, he, he would encounter one of them and they didn't recognize him, I could tell that it had this this tremendous like uh, 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 burden on him. And and so I wanted to kind of give him like some karmic retribution. There's a lot of truth to to a lot of these stories. Wow. Sunday Sunday Mafongo too was actually inspired by uh, an actual encounter with uh, a president's daughter. I'm not going to say which one, but uh, <laughs> she's oh, in there. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so let's get into the like the Kickstarter. So please tell us how long it's been running. When does it end, and how is it doing so far? Because from what I've seen, I've read a couple of things. It's doing pretty well so far. Yeah, so so the the Kickstarter is doing swimmingly. We you know thankfully we've been able to uh, to reach our funding goal. We we hit it on the first day, which was uh, which was uh, tremendously gratifying. Sure, wow. Nice. And uh, you know certainly the the uh, the degree of of uh, like the average commitment size I would say is larger than I could have ever anticipated. Um, uh, yeah, you know it's it's so interesting because I feel like in speaking to some more uh, senior and, uh, experienced creators. Um, you know, they, they, they shared with me that, yes, this is the perfect time, uh, to get into comics because it's so easy to get a project, uh, in front of people these days, you no longer need to, uh, you know, necessarily go to go through a publisher to get your story out there. So, um, you know, I really think that Kickstarter is a tremendous asset in terms of, uh, you know, encouraging people to just get up and, and do it. You have a great idea. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be commercially viable or you don't necessarily have to play to the masses. Like if if you if you think that it's, you know, economically prudent, then then go out and do it. Um, and that's kind of been my 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 mantra to myself throughout this entire process is go out and make this comic um and and what happens happens um and you know thankfully there's uh there's actually a a comic book component to my next nightclub that i'm opening up this fall so we'll actually have something of like a comic book shop in the front of the in the front of the club so um in the event that i get caught with any extra inventory i'll probably just roll it over into into there there you go but <laughs> but uh but in any respect it's been it's been great to get uh the book out to uh you know my friends and my network and you know now i'm just uh my, my big challenge to myself is to you know try to make some some comic fans uh and and reach new people through uh through the campaign as well because um i really feel like this is only the beginning i have i have a great deal of stories that i would like to tell in this medium and uh and so yeah so we'll see where it goes we like to say uh, hello to some of the people in the chat. So, Caleb, what's going on? Nice to see you in the chat. Um, but, Jack, we're, we're actually talking to Jack Mulqueen here on the Comic Boogies podcast. Uh, early congratulations on the Kickstarter, uh, Jack. Uh, you know, much success going toward, you know, forward in the future uh, to all your endeavors, especially, you know, the night the, your business is opening back up, the new nightclub. That's fantastic. So let's get into, like, you know, other comic books, not just the one that you created, the great, you know, six – six-part uh, two-issue anthology series. So what I like to do is every week I like to preview some of the new books that came out today on New Comic Book Day. Uh, so let's get into them. And then we'll got a bunch of questions as far as books. We're going to get into, you know, your history. What do you read now? What have you read then? What, you know, stuff like that. So uh, on DC this week we have Detective Comics uh, one, what, uh, 1039. 
Flash Annual number one, uh, Action Comics Annual number one, Wonder Woman 775, and Infinite Frontier number two. Over on the Marvel side, Thor 15, Excalibur 22, The Way of X 4, Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow number four, and this new big uh, event, Sinister War, starts today with number one. Uh, Boom Studios, Seven Secrets 10, Mighty Morphin number nine, and Eve continues with number three. Image Comics, Silver Coin number four, and Ha Ha number six. One of our favorite small uh, publishers, AWA Artists, Writers, and Artisans, Moths number two. And over on Dark Horse, Secret Land number two, and Black Hammer Visions number six. So, Jack, go ahead and get into you know your history with actual comic books. You know, like what did you read? Did you read as a kid? Because for me personally, and for the other two guys, uh, Sean and Mark. I'm I started reading I watched all the TV shows, watched all the movies, watched like like everything but comic books wise, I actually didn't get into them until about 2016. So my whole collection is what I think is big now. I'm I'm up to like, you know, 1500 books or whatever. I just get huge stacks every week and I became kind of a, an obsession. So it's easy to pick what I was going to do when it came to a podcast. Sean and Mark as well. They've picked it up, you know, and they've ran with it. So tell me your history with comic books. Yeah, totally. So it started really when um, when I was a when I was a young warthog, um, and my uh, my father was work- <laughs> my father worked in the garment industry. So uh, you know, back in the now now it's much more fragmented. But back in the day, it was really you know a strip along Seventh Avenue uh, where all of uh, the garmentos used to work. And it so happened that my father's building was in the same building, uh, or my father's office rather was in the same building as Midtown Comics oh, flag no location over on 37th street. Mm-hmm. So, so his garage was right around the corner. So when I would go visit him at work at the end of the day, on the way to the garage, we would stop at Midtown Comics and he would let me kind of browse for a bit and peruse, um, and so I just kind of gradually started immersing myself into that world. My mother was, was really big into, into 1010. Uh, so, so I had kind of like some exposure to, uh, Hergé and Belgian, Belgian comics, uh, growing up as well. So kind of like what was going on across the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like many, um, I went on a, like a little bit of a comics hiatus. You know, it's really interesting to hear how many people, you know, they 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 go through I guess like a period where they fall out of comics. Uh, you know maybe young adulthood happens and you know you discover uh, girls or whatever it might be. But um, but in any respect, uh, uh, at some point I kind of just uh, started gravitating back towards it. Um, and now I've ever since then I've just been like a vor- I've, I've had, I have a voracious appetite uh, for comics. So much like you, you know I've kind of been going through the backlogs and I have a very kind of like, like I go through phases. So right now I'm having like a huge Frank Miller phase. Uh, if you had caught me, you know, three months ago, I, I was having a huge Darwin cook phase where I just needed to like read everything by Darwin cook. And then if you had caught me maybe six months ago, it would have been Frank quietly where I just needed to consume everything. So I like going through catalogs and kind of like a, um, like a, uh, like a very, uh, I guess you could call it academic fashion per se. Um, I really love the work of, of uh, Grant Morrison and, uh, you know, I find him, you know, very fascinating in terms of like big ideas, psychedelia, uh, uh, godhood and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, what's funny is that um, like the, like the way that uh, 
storytellers are using these just like incredibly fantastical uh, universes that they're creating as allegories for modern society. I always find very interesting. Um, And certainly, you know, to talk about some of the books that you just mentioned uh, for New Comic Book Day, loving the silver coin right now. Uh, In fact, um, the artist who did the cover art for Nightlife Noir, um, Adam Gorham, uh, did a variant cover for Silver Coin. uh, Oh, cool. Issue number one. And he's uh, and he's doing right now um, the covers and interiors for the Blue Flame uh, over at Vault Comics with uh, Christopher Cantwell, who's also writing on Iron Man. Yeah, uh, it's been a fantastic series. Um, I'm really loving Seven Secrets. I think that Seven you know, Secrets is good. Tom Taylor. Yeah, De- Tom Taylor, Daniela Di Nicolo. Um, I mean, they're doing like that's just like pure comic joy. Um, Ninjak is one that I've been hearing. I, I pulled today. I, I haven't received it yet uh, from Valiant Comics. I'm really excited to check out. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the artist right now, but I know that he did uh, a couple of issues in the, during the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run, um, which is one of my favorites. Um, Spider-Man Spider Shadow I'm really enjoying as well. That's kind of like, you know, obviously Marvel What If is having a, uh, a big moment right now. They just dropped the trailer. Yeah. Um, and Chip, Chip Zdarsky, I think, is such a uh, a great writer. He, the perfect mix of, um, you know, understanding like the human pathos which, within each of these characters and, and a great deal of humor as well. Um, I'm, and I'm really loving Way of X. Have you guys uh, have you guys picked that one up? You know, we all were, were doing the Jonathan Hickman X-Men run. And for us, classic you guys, you know, just watching the cartoons growing up and it was it got way too out there with all the different characters that we were like whoa this is like too yeah. much it got kind of overwhelming so i think about what sean like 16 to 20 issues in we dropped At the least. series so yeah. so i think like anything connected it's to the x-men we haven't picked up i know it's so it's so many series too it's almost like 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 jonathan hickman's trying to make us all go broke or something like, oh, i swear like for sure the, and and if you miss one, then then you really feel like you've missed out quite a bit. I mean, he's really one of those like big picture architects, you know, who can who who you know he really seems like from a universe building standpoint that that's really where he gets his rocks off is coordinating with all these different writers and having the shared continuity. And I think it's fantastic to see that X Men is kind of going through this renaissance right now period after you know what's been you know people have been people have needed that for quite a while but i'm with you guys you know i can't i can't keep all keep up with all of it so but way of x was one that i picked up because i, I haven't read very much Cy spurrier but i heard that he's uh you know that he's a really cool uh cool writer and so far it's been very very rewarding so. well growing up obviously you know you mentioned that you read obviously the big two. Is there a certain character or right now, like a specific like story that you are definitely that's one maybe you've read recently. I mean, it always comes down to, you know, with us, we love all the small stories, all the small publishers, but the big two are the big two. Is there one that you prefer more than the other? So I'd say like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty top heavy in that. Uh, Batman is by far my favorite. So I'm uh, very happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, I just think that I just think there we go. So love it. Love it. So I just um, I just think Batman is the coolest character. uh, If you ask me of all of all the of all the uh, superhero characters that you'll find. Um, 
Um, I'm very partial to Doctor Strange. I really, I find that like, you know, there, that there's not that many uh, OGNs that you can find about, about Doctor Strange. Uh, that would be a, that would be a goal of mine to write, to write on that character one day. Very cool. Uh, but, but certainly, uh, certainly Batman. I mean, there's just been so many incredible stories that have been shared uh, of this character, each, each writer taking on their different take. I just finished Batman year one uh, recently and oh, nice. uh, for the first time. And the combination of Frank Miller with like David Matsukeli, maybe it's because I grew up in Gotham, like in my in my backyard. And, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's really interesting that Gotham, the city of like, I just like enjoy like the despair and the hopelessness that surrounds Batman's circumstances that like yeah. he really feels like he's lo- he's fighting a losing battle. You know, um, it, 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 despite the fact that you assume that he's going to make it out of every story, is it, it, it beckons the question, like, is the city going to be any better for it? And and are his methods uh, uh, really making it making a difference? So yeah. that to me, I find I find incredibly compelling. Uh, but, I, you know, in terms of the, the Marvel Universe, I find I, I get drawn more to that, like. Uh, not to the, not to um, you know uh, everybody has their own their own thing but I just can't really buy into the Justice League uh, very much I really find that Batman's the only one who I who I, who I truly enjoy but um, I love like the, like all of the Marvel IP and and I find all of those villains so compelling as well so definitely more of a Marvel side with Batman being my favorite though. Oh, nice. I mean, but Batman is top heavy. You know, when you have Batman, you have the best rogue gallery in the history of comic books, too. Easily. You know, you can put just Batman's villains, I think, uh, up against all the Marvels that, you know, the Sinister Six. I would put them up against anything. Um, but going back to Gotham, dude, I, I'm just thinking, like, as you're talking about Gotham, Gotham City and how just the helplessness, I can't help but think of every single piece of like an animated series, an animated movie all movies that's probably the first thing that they have to capture is gotham city because when you go to all the batman movies uh gotham the tv show all the animated one you know all these gotham feels the same gotham never feels like metropolis where metropolis is always usually always in the daytime it's a lot brighter you have the bright globe of the daily planet you know like it's so it they're polar opposites so that so once when you gave that answer i was like dude the the Every single director, they have to capture that for sure. That's have crazy. you guys read? Um, have you guys read uh, the Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber book? It's Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. It came out, I think, last year. Yeah, I, got, uh, it's up for it's, up, it's up for an Eisner. I mean, or at least yeah, um, the writer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a part where he where like. Jimmy is basically at, at this. Uh, I don't. It looks like he's in like a slum, basically, and or, or like a ramshackle uh, hotel. He's been sent on assignment, and then there's this double-page splash where where you turn, you do the page turn, and he's in Gotham, and he's been oh, in Metropolis wow. the whole series, and then all of a sudden he finds himself in Gotham, and like it's such a paradigm shift for the series that when it, it's a it's a tremendous reveal. Um, but yeah, certainly to your point, like it really feels different and, and the despair really just like is innately part of, uh, of the city's personality. So 
Yeah. Real quick, you mentioned Chip Zdarsky. Love uh, Stillwater. That's a mm. great story right now. So if you, it's like uh, 10, 11 issues in. So a little, you know, a little ways to catch up, but you know, really good. Uh, Sean, let's get to you. Uh, let's do all three of us. Like, like currently right now, just anything you like from last week, anything from this week, real quick. Sinister Wars, bro. Number one. I know this is something that we looked in previews a few months ago, and I'm excited. I know Mark. He's reading uh, Spider Man. And Spider-Man's always been a character, especially in the Marvel Universe, I've loved. So it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. A new story, a number one. I'm excited for it, brother. Yeah, I mean, from last week, the two that the, probably my two favorite were uh, I love from Image, uh, Noctera, from Scott mm. Snyder and Tony S. Daniel. That is an amazing book so far, five issues in. Um, and then the second issue, uh, James Tynion with his horror, the DC horror, the nice house on the lake. That's pretty freaky. I mean, the reveal at the e- at the end of issue one was pretty crazy, and then issue two is is just as insane. And then also Wonder Girl. I like Joelle Jones. I liked her. I read yes. a couple issues of her yes. Catwoman run, uh, and Wonder Girl is a is a pretty awesome. It's it's different, you know. She's not. It's not Diana Prince. It's you know. It's she's from Brazil. It's someone not even from Themyscira, but and then all these different factions are trying to get to her and yeah, it's, it's got, it's got a spy feel yeah, to it. Everyone's sneaking around trying to get to her as well. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving those three stories. Um, and then, you know, justice league is cool. Uh, you know, the whole United thing, uh, I can see Brian, uh, Michael Bendis brought some of his Superman stories. Uh, some of the, the, the villain he had in one of the arcs in his Superman run a few months ago is now in this justice league run. So I'm liking that. I'm liking those. Yeah, the nice house on the lake has been incredible so far. Yeah, I, have, I mean, I have very high hopes for that series. Yeah, for sure. And like, it was weird, like issue two, like those the pages where it was just a whole list of things and them talking back and forth. I was like, can I skip this? And then all of a sudden, I started reading like the three first. Oh, like, oh, I cannot skip this. This is the exchange, but I ha- I can I have to read this. <laughs> He's been doing. He's been experimenting with form like that with uh, the Department of Truth also, which is Love definitely it. one of my favorite series. series right now. That so. is such an effed up, but such a good series. Like it just takes me, oh, all different kind of emotions each issue. It's crazy. I love it. I think you're gonna see them clean up at the Eisner's this year. I know, right? I know. That's that's actually pretty true. Um, any? Have you guys been reading Immortal Hulk? I have not because I think no. when we started the podcast, it had already started. And then we kind of made fun mm. of Marvel in the beginning of the podcast a few years ago because everything was rebooting. And Immortal Hulk was like the only series like, oh, look at Immortal Hulk got past 20 issues. Holy crap. Look at this. And it's still going strong, too. So Irish really good also. So we haven't. So we I didn't start it from when before these guys uh, when we started the podcast and then like none of us picked it up. So no. Immortal Hulk. So that so I think that we're up to there's only two books left after the one that came out last week. So it'll end mm-hmm. at 50. And uh, and the Daredevil uh, run I've been really enjoying as well. Zdarsky and Chichetto on Daredevil. Yeah. Is oh, yeah. Oh, let's see what else. Uh, me, me and Sean from Marvel, we like aliens. The the current aliens uh, stories is, is pretty good, too. That's um oh crap. It's the same guy who's on action and Superman right now. Johnson um he's got three names it's like something something johnson i, I forgot i all these names all these writers all these artists i always forget their names it kind of it escapes me um but i wanted to ask you um because awa is uh, a publisher that we've been following since day one since they first released uh, their first story i forgot which one it was but we love 
we've probably picked up what Sean, like 10, 12 of their stories so far. Least, I mean, I, I, ha- I have not pulled like maybe five stories from AWA. Some of them are really, really good. Have you, have you caught any of their stories? I think I have. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm not sure offhand without without looking at the titles, but I've certainly I'm, I'm, I certainly heard of them. So yeah, some of our favorites were uh, what Bad Mother. Bad Mother definitely is a good. Bad Mother was good. Uh, the Resistance that was one of their first ones. It was like a a, a global pandemic. It was funny because it was like right around the time that COVID hit, right? And then like it killed off hundreds of millions of people, and the people who got the uh, the the sickness and then survived a certain percentage of them started to gain powers. And then oh. this whole, this whole government conspiracy, how they're trying to keep track of them. And then, you know, and then there's this resistance of, you know, metas who are coming together and fighting against fighting against the power, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good story. And then there's also other stories in that universe. It's like, there's part two resistance uprising right now. Moths just started too. That's in the same world as the resistance. Yeah. That was really say- good. Too. I've really been enjoying the nice house on the lake, if only because my my house in Vermont is built on a lake. And oh, wow. and right at the start of the pandemic, uh, we took two of our friends, uh, uh, my, my fiance and I took two of our friends up there to kind of stay with us just because, you know, we were like, who really knows when we'll come back to the city. So the four of us hunkered down there for like three months, basically. And we were Man. we didn't see we didn't see any humans for the first for the first month. So, I mean, we kept busy. We were playing card games and we, uh, we, we picked up Gloomhaven, which was this giant box set, uh, board game, kind of like a diceless RPG that keep, kept us preoccupied for hundreds of hours, basically. But, um, but it, it does have the same type of feeling where we were looking at, you know, all these tweets and all, and, and when we'd watch the news in the morning and the whole world is coming apart and we're sitting here at, at, in this nice house on the lake. And so I wonder how much of, of the story is kind of like an allegory for, you know, what this, what, what this year has kind of been like and, and kind of fleeing densely populated urban areas to, to get these, you know, these little shacks on the countryside and being away from yeah. civilization and watching the world burn. Yeah. Only small differences. People are just getting sick with COVID. They're not, they're, <laughs> their skin's not melting off, <laughs> you know? So, um, uh, shoot. So I think that's pretty much it for like the comic books. Um, thank you for sharing your history. That was pretty awesome. Um, but now we get into a little bit of the news. So I don't have a lot of headlines. I mean, the big thing that I looked up is it, I saw that a sealed copy of Super Mario 64 sold for $1.5 million. My first thought is, why aren't you keeping that for like another 30 years? Like, what do you like that guy had must be he must be desperate for money or I don't know. Or he just didn't really know what it could have been. But, dude, the first ever Nintendo 64 game not even ever opened. I mean, one point five million. What is that in 20, 25 years? You know, I probably would have sold it, though. You know what? (laughs) They would have found a way to ruin the value. I could make one point five mil off of a fifty dollar game. Yeah, I'll take that right now. Yeah. The The other day I called my mom and I said, Mom. I need you to stop everything you're doing right now and look for my Pokemon cards. <laughs> yes. Peter, she got me the binder, so we'll see. I haven't gotten them graded yet, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, did you watch? Uh, so and now since you know no headlines, have you watched uh, Black Widow? Are you watching the MCU shows? Like like what are you watching on TV as far as streaming on shows or movies and stuff? I did watch Black Widow. I thought it was uh, I thought it was very good. 
Um, I am very partial to the Chris Somney and Mark Wade run on Black Widow is one of like, to me, one of the best Marvel graphic novels that's kind of come out uh, over the last 20 years. Um, wow. And I just love I just love the character and I, I and I love the I love the feel of those movies. I, I think that, you know, in, in terms of the MCU, the Russo brothers, Captain America movies to me are like the cream of the crop, especially like Winter Soldier, you know, how they were able to kind of tap into that Cold War espionage type feel, but but make it superhero and make it Marvel. And even to go as far as to get Robert Redford and bring, you know, three days of the condor himself into the picture was uh, mm-hmm. so cool. Um, I've been enjoying all of the MCU shows. I've really been enjoying the Mandalorian as well. You know, I think that, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic to see, you know, stories being told within the star star Wars universe without the being fettered by, you know, the burden of carrying like, like the lore of the tentpole franchise forward, you know, that we can kind of focus on these grimy pockets of the outer rim of the galaxy and, and play up the character and the way, the way that it was kind of, you know, episodic while also carrying forth like a, a main plot and a main narrative that kind of ties all of the episodes together. Um, And that, you know, really through this, somewhat morally scrupulous character although i guess he has a heart of gold um you know we're able to kind of through his eyes interact with you know the most surreptitious characters that that the galaxy has to offer um it's been so just like exciting to 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 live and breathe in this space and you know certainly it appears uh you know from the critical acclaim and and belovedness that the, that the series has received that you know, they're going to continue cranking out these, uh, you know, these Star Wars shows that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily like encumbered by, you know, the the $500 million budgets and stuff. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see, you know, uh, up and coming directors, up and coming writers be given a chance to kind of tell stories in this universe is really exciting. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, you've how many people have subscribed to Disney plus strictly for the Mandalorian. It was just nominated like mm-hmm. 20, like 24 Emmys. Like, why wouldn't you, they have a recipe for success. Go keep going. Keep like, go with and, it. People are going to eat it, eat it, eat it up, you know? And without spoiling the post credit scene of, of, uh, of black widow, uh, it, to, it re- to really see how, you know, the television shows and the movies are going to become required viewing for, yeah. uh, for the continuity um, and seeing, you know, that, you know, that, that it really appears like they're setting up young Avengers. I have the Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey book like sitting that I've been, that I've been meaning to get around to and read. But I think that, you know, all these characters are being introduced in a not so discreet way. So it's only a matter of time before we see that, uh, that coming together. Yeah. I, th- I think the sister stole the show in that movie. Mm-hmm. She, oh, she's awesome. She, yeah, she's she's badass. She's funny. You know, like e- like everything encompassing like a Black Widow, you know, movie, like what you would think, you know, had the MCU uh, humor, but then also everything with the action. Yeah, yeah she she was badass. Yeah, um, Florence Pugh, her her comedic timing is second to none. Yeah, no, she's really good. Um, and then Loki is is good. I mean, uh, Sean, did you watch episode six today? I didn't watch it today. I was hoping to, but I did not get the chance today. Okay, I, good. So, I, so. I didn't. I didn't. 
Okay, so he didn't know. We we, we wouldn't, you know, if we're not going to spoil Black Widow, we're not going to spoil Loki, you know. But that would be I mean, next week. The only the only thing I did read that's non spoiler ish is like one of the cutscenes at the end is it shows a bunch of like papers scattered around and then like on one of them it says like Loki season two coming soon or something. Yeah, so, but I think we already that. knew that it was signed on for a season two even before episode one was released. So that's not really a spoiler at all. But that's I'm good. waiting for us to see uh, Miles Morales on the silver screen. That's going to be oh. a big one. I mean, they're making number two into the Spider-Verse 2, so that he's going to get another one of those movies. But yes, definitely, you know, live action for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I also like, I don't know if you watch any of the HBO Max shows all over on the DC side, but those are good too. I love the Swamp Things. I love Titans. I love, um, um, you're, you mentioned Grant Morrison's, uh, his Doom Patrol run is is what, you're watching pretty much on the screen on uh, from doom patrol um with that season three i think of titan starts pretty soon sean yeah, and you, uh, you have yes. all you have all the movies that are coming you know suicide squad i'm really looking forward to that you know i'm really looking forward to that like it's going to be one of those ones like why would they make another one? Oh, but wait he did guardians of the galaxy and guardians of the galaxy was one of the most surprisingly well both of those movies were like what guardians of the galaxy why the hell are you doing guardians of the galaxy dude that was one of my favorite movies of all 25 of them revelation yeah to me my big my my two big sleeper hits for the summer uh are the green knight uh the a24 film with uh dev patel that's coming out uh july 24th um and and there's uh, the first uh, feature length film directed by Neil Blomkamp in seven years. It's called Demonic. Uh, and that looks incredible. I believe that's coming out on on July 20 or either July 24th or August 24th. But that looks like a super kind of like science fiction horror film. So in almost in the vein of like Event Horizon. So I'm really excited for that one. And probably a third close for you, probably Space Jam this weekend. No, <laughs> oh boy, dude. I yeah. mean, talk about like just like Warner Brothers just flexing their IP. I read something really interesting today that Gen Zers are actually spending more time playing video games and on their phones, so that movies, like like we're just seeing IP being recycled for our generation. You know, and that's why, you know, Very movies much. like Fast and the Furious are still existing and, and Space Jam is being brought back. You know, uh, teenagers don't care about Space Jam. It's really our generation and the nostalgia oh, play. They want to get us back in the theater. So, yeah. What was it? 1996, 1998 or whatever year it yeah, came out. Right. I mean, at that point, I'm like, years, yeah. I'm like 10, 11 years old. That's I, I love that movie. I, I burned like I almost ruined the VHS like when I had it back in the day. Yeah, that was the first CD I had in my that. CD player. Yeah. Yes, me Sound too. I had, was amazing. Yes, I had. Um, mine was mine wasn't even a CD. I got the mine was a cassette. So I had yeah. it played on my little Walkman cassette. So I had the cassette of the of the you know the soundtrack to Space Jam, and but then that Christmas I got a, my first you know CD player with the soundtrack of Men in Black. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> it was like one of those. Yeah. Oh man, the nostalgia. But uh, 
So speaking of Space Jam, speaking of basketball, we're going to go ahead and switch gears completely. Let's get into sports, um, but I'm going to remind everyone, this is Jack Mulqueen. He is uh, gracious enough to spend his late night with us from New York City. He is the writer of Nightlife Noir on Kickstarter right now. Go check it out. But we are the Comic Bookies podcast. Uh, Hit us up on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at the Comic Bookies. Email us, thecomicbookies at gmail.com. And please subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch pages for all of our videos, our shorts, and all of our live streams. Thank you so much for joining us everyone um i got a question mike i gotta ask jack i have to ask him right now okay go ahead dad you're a diehard sports fan from the east coast new york the basketball game literally just ended how the hell did you get used to the east coast time because i always said that mike and i probably have the best time oh, frame the garden game starts at around six o'clock 40 you know it's about 11 40 the game just ended how do you get used to that <laughs> Yeah, it's because, you know, when when uh, when you put the wife to bed, then then you get to just turn it on as some late yeah, night viewing. They you know, really so. enjoy it. <laughs> Good answer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So let's let's start with the NBA. Sean, I didn't even watch any of the games. So what what happened? Please be the this the sports center anchor right here. A uh, long story short, the Bucks won. You know, oh, it's, really? it, it's the really the guy's going to be one of those. The home team's going to win. The home team's going to win. The Suns kept it close, but Giannis did turn into Giannis and. Yeah, they came out victorious. I think it's about a six, seven point game, and we're heading back to Phoenix with a two-two series, guys. Two-two, wow. I mean, that that series looked like it was out of hand uh, real quick in the beginning, and now, never mind. Who really knows? I mean, it's just crazy. I feel like I feel like a report is going to come out uh, at the end of the season that he was playing on one leg. Uh, this oh. whole time, you know, they'll find it's a tear in that knee. They'll make the story a whole lot better than what it was. But I think we can all agree we're happy. It's the small market team. It's not sure Lakers It's definitely not Brooklyn with. I mean, I'm not sure if you're a Brooklyn hater. I'm not sure where you stand because you are a Knicks diehard fan that you mentioned. But I'm especially happy they didn't make it creating their own little super team. But I'm very anti Brooklyn. Uh, uh, I just think that the, that the fans are. So obnoxious, like th- that. It, it just wouldn't have felt earned. Uh, KD and Kyrie are both head cases, and uh, in 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 the best way. Uh, I mean, obviously, seeing KD just go absolutely nuclear. Uh, the you know those last. I think he averaged something like 42 points uh, yeah, the last three games of of the series was just uh incredible to behold and i mean the the guy's scoring talent and just like how quick he is laterally for how tall he is is um you know i, I think that we all have to kind of like witness his greatness uh uh you know he's kind of been overshadowed uh coming up you know two years or three years after lebron but um you know i think were lebron not in the picture like there's very much uh, an argument for you know for him to be you know the the greatest player of this generation so totally uh jack you mentioned that you wanted to get into the nba draft so um not really sure like the warriors I think sean have like the seventh pick but the seventh and the 14th, and the 14th the yeah. something like that yeah so that could be you know some trade bait coming up right there but jack do you know when the when the knicks pick yeah so we're at 19 21 and 32 oh uh, so we've got we've got some 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 assets to play around with. I think that trade. You will see, uh, yeah, you will see a Knicks trade because trade. the truth is that any other year I would say let's do it, but like like where are we going to find rotation spots for these for these kind of uh, fringe 
uh, mid first round players. So um, hopefully we can package that up and move and move down. You know, the, the, the interesting thing that we're seeing is um, that it really is consensus seems to seems to dictate that now it's something of like a five player draft. So there's actually like, you know, there's five kind of stars, uh, potential stars in the picture. And obviously somebody will emerge from after pick five, but uh, that there seems to be kind of like a precipitous fall. And that's where the consensus really ends. So you've got, um, you know, the kid from Oklahoma, Oklahoma uh, State, Kate Cunningham, Cunningham, who really looks like a generational talent at point guard, six foot eight, two way player, shoots three incredibly well, just like a ball dominant uh, player. Then you've got uh, Moses Moody from uh, from or or, sorry, Evan Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. uh, Yeah. Big man can stretch the floor, plays both ends of the court. Really, really good blocks, really good, like per 36 minute uh, ratings. Uh, you've got the two G League Ignite players who I think are really like the uh, like the mystery bags of the draft. So Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga, who are both like top 10 McDonald All-American level prospects, you know, coming out. Green is more of like a slashing uh, shooting guard type. Kuminga, really like a six foot nine kind of tweener uh, with incredible athleticism. And uh, Jalen Suggs, who enjoyed it. Just gonna bring him up. That's that boy, man. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a killer. Uh, just like incredibly uh, shifty point, like true point guard. You know, it's funny because I, like there's a, there's quite a few teams at the top of the draft who have crammed uh, backcourts. So it wouldn't be surprising to see, you know, some recent uh, some recent high draft uh, drafted highly drafted players move around simply because you know a team decides to uh, to start fresh with one of these rookie guards um but it'll be very interesting to see and there's a lot of there's a lot of really talented slashing scoring type guards who are who are available in that like kind of 7 to 15 range i really like book knight from yukon i really like uh moses moody from arkansas um davion mitchell from baylor is a player who i'm very excited about uh, a part of me really hopes that the Knicks wind up getting Josh Giddy. Have you guys uh, seen much of his tape yet? What team is he from? So he, I think he plays for Adelaide. He's he's a six foot eight uh, point guard from Australia. He kind of looks like the like the poor man's uh, Lonzo Ball of sorts. Definitely like the most talented passer uh, in the draft. But uh, yeah, somebody who I would like to see the Bockers take. So we'll see. What about you, Sean? Where, where, where are the Warriors going? Oh, man. Uh, I actually like the Davion Mitchell pick. I think last year, I think we did okay getting Wiseman, but we always knew Wiseman was going to be a developmental player. He's going to need time to develop. The big man was kind of the sexy pick, but I think we all agreed that NBA-ready pick, which I think would have took a little stress off of Curry, was getting Lonzo. Or, uh, God, LaMelo, sorry. I think LaMelo was a great pick. He would have been our point guard, shooting guard. I mean, him and Curry probably would have been interchangeable right there. I mean, you know, obviously Davion Mitchell ain't no LaMelo ball, but I think he'll help in the backcourt, obviously. So I think we definitely need to get a point guard. Just get a guard. I mean, Looney's decent for the Warriors. Wiseman's obviously there. He's going to be in there for the long run. And we can't, you know, forget about a possible trade. I mean, the Knicks have multiple picks. The Warriors have multiple picks. And Wiseman, he's already having his name in trade talks as well as Wiggins. Can we throw out 
Can we throw out a hypothetical trade? And I want to see if you guys let's do it. Let's do it. What is it? All right. Let's say let's say that Toronto calls you right now and they say we'll give you. I don't want you... Siakam. Okay. <laughs> I don't want Siakam. Yeah. Siakam won't win a championship. I think Siakam's a great player and he fit good when Kawhi was there. Kawhi won that championship. We all know that. Now I will speak about your Knickerbockers. I think you guys have a great team. I actually really like it. I do hate the Obi Toppin pick from last year. I just can't stand those kind of players. He's not that good of a shooter average defender just in that in-between size i don't really know if he's i don't know a guard slash forward I, you know the age is concerning too i must say yeah not a huge pick on him but if i am definitely the knicks i do like i mean if you can make a push for dame and got it happen then hey i do like maybe alonzo going to your guys's team getting a true point guard i do like quickly coming off the bench but the knicks are true man getting randall was the best thing you guys ever did i love that guy I honestly, I, I would, I would love to get Dame personally. I don't think that you can make that that move unless you have a handshake agreement with Kawhi to come over because we're really seeing like the the model now being you need two bona fide all stars, uh, you know, one of whom is a is a top fifteen ball dominant player, yeah. and and then and then you trade the farm for. Uh, for that third star. Include Robinson in that too. I hate Mitchell Robinson. Oh, that's another one. I'm having so yeah, I remember that there was some 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 trade offers floated around last year where it was like maybe could we trade him for the pick that would become Wiseman? And and I have friend Nick's friends who were like, absolutely not. Now I would take Wiseman in, in a heartbeat just because yeah. simply because his durability. I still think he's a great player, but he, 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 the lack of durability is a concern, and 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 some team is going to overpay for him uh, if we don't pick up his restricted free agent tender. So um, I definitely have some concerns there. I, I for me as a Nick fan, RJ is off the table in any trade discussion. RJ's off the table. I like RJ. And yeah. and you know I, one one potential trade that I'm seeing floated around right now is Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, and the 19th pick for Colin Sexton. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't really care about Knox, another player who I think was overhyped. I mean, he has some talent, but you kind of think he ain't going to get much better in my opinion. You just know. I don't like to you know, make it seem like oh, this guy doesn't know his stuff. But you, certain players, you kind of just know. Like, he just doesn't have that thing, or maybe it just isn't working with us. I mean, he was barely even playing for the guys last year off the bench. First, The first warning sign was when at his draft day, and you guys can pull up this image uh, at your at your leisure, uh, but he wore uh, a, a suit coat with a Fortnite logo on the inseam. And, so I had to see. And he flashes the jacket like that, like Superman. And I'm like, oh, so that's where your head's at. Like, you're not in the gym putting up 500 shots a day. Like, you're going to be playing Fortnite. And uh, and so, yeah, I think, um, you know, unfortunately, he just didn't he just didn't have uh the the mental wherewithal to just stay engaged uh, uh the amount that you need to um to be a professional athlete and you really see just like on a on a play to play basis his attention span actually dissipates where he'll lose a man on an off the ball screen or a backdoor cut uh it's just yeah it's it's a real shame you know what hopefully he gets it gets it together um somewhere else so i'm going to play devil's advocate here um, you said, you know, you need the three superstars, you know, the super team thing. 
Uh, is this year um, like a one-off because of the injuries to Brooklyn to LA? I mean, you don't have that type of uh, core group of players from Milwaukee and Phoenix. You don't have, you know, there's not a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant on Phoenix or Milwaukee. So how is that different? Like, like why are they in the NBA finals? Is it strictly because LA and Brooklyn were too hurt or, you know, and, and do you see that can happen next year, you know, or is it going to go back to just, uh, Brooklyn, LA next year? Easy. No, that's a very valid point. I do think, you know, I, I don't think that you can say, oh, this offseason has an asterisk because of the injuries. I think what you're seeing here is a, a Phoenix team uh, who have like really bought in. Uh, you have incredible two way players, two way role players uh, on, you know, just like who can just hit hit the corner three and play like very gritty, tenacious defense. You've got an ascending uh, true center, you know, who can run the pick and roll like it's just absolutely lethal with, you know, a top three point guard of all time who just continues to defy uh, uh, time itself, uh, which is just like incredible to see. And how can you not root for him at this point? And then, uh, you know, really like one of the most gifted shooters uh, of this generation. Like, when are we going to start? Uh, uh, mentioning Devin Booker in the same conversation as like a Steph Curry, for example, just in terms of like the the like the way that this guy creates his own shot uh, and the range that he has and and the consistency with with which he's hitting these big shots, like he just seems to have absolutely no conscience uh, right now. So and I love Michael Bridges. Like I was so upset when the, when the Knicks took him instead of Kevin Knox because it was just like a gimme pick. Like like why take the project when you have the NCAA Guarantee. champion, best player on an NCAA championship team, two-way player. Yeah, he's a little bit older. You know, it, it seems like we oscillate between like taking these projects like Frank Nilikina, Kevin Knox, and then taking these like like upperclassmen like an Obi Toppin who's actually older than Colin Sexton uh, is right now. Um, so we'll see. We just can't. We. I mean, it's really shocking that the Knicks are in the position they're in, considering like how much draft capital we've squandered over the past couple of years. But um, knowing that Phil Jackson turned down a Devin Booker for Kristaps Porzingis trade just uh, really breaks my heart. Okay, so from the hardwood. To the baseball diamond. So we had the all-star game. Just, um, you know, if people are listening to this on Saturday when the episode's released, uh, it was a, you know, earlier this week. So now we're back to the second half of the baseball season. Um, the AL win again, I think, for like the eighth straight year, Except it seems like. Eighth record. Um, I just want to point out real quick. I, I, I watched like the first four innings of the game. Dude, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a freaking beast. I mean, and all these stats that are thrown out that all these strikeouts are up, you know, the home runs are up and everything. I mean, you know, uh, Sean, we, we had Seth Everett, uh, Jack, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Seth Everett. He, uh, he writes, he has two podcasts, one sports and one comics. That's kind of why we had him on the podcast because it's separate, but we went ahead and collided it with him. Um, but he's on Fox. He's, you know, he did, he covered the Broncos. He covered the Mariners for years and years. So he's, he, he said, I think it was Stark, right? Uh, the, uh, who's the guy who writes for MLB, Stark, uh, Jason Stark or whatever? Jason Stark. He said in 2018, and then you go back 10 years ago, so between 2008 and 2018, there were like 11,000 less balls hit in play. So, of course, ratings are down. 
of course, no one wants to play baseball. You know, like when you're a kid, you want to play the football, play the basketball, and whatever. All those sports are up. Baseball's down. They're not hitting. This whole the launch angle, everyone's hitting bombs. You know, you know, no one, everyone's striking out, breaking records every single year, like 13 straight years. The number of strikeouts have been broken in a single season. But when you have someone like Vladimir Guerrero, the white knight, just riding in with a 332 batting average, mm-hmm. 28 home runs, 73 RBIs. Dude, that guy is a baller. I loved watching him play last night. He was great last night. It was actually really good seeing that because you weren't seeing that these days. Uh, Vladdy, obviously, he's playing good. And you know, it's one thing, even you see like an Otani, he is only hitting like 260, I think, 250. And he does have, you know, 30-something home runs. That's good. Uh, In the Bay Area, Buster, he's hitting over 300. So that's obviously a good thing. Jack, you being in New York, are you a big Yankee fan? Diehard Yankee fan. You know, I mean, it was hard not to be growing up in the city and you know, it seemed like every single year the Canyon of Champions was uh, was, uh, uh, you know, being activated. Uh, I grew up not knowing that a team other than the Yankees could win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's like that's like growing up in Boston in the 2000s. Like, you know, you you know, the year 2000 hit and you're like seven years old and you get nothing but Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, Patriots. and the Bruins like winning every year in that damn decade. Oh, my God. So that was pretty, yeah, that was definitely uh, quite a heyday. And certainly, um, you know, uh, my de- my father used to take me to quite quite a few games as well. And I'll never forget one time I was in the parking lot and I had a baseball, um, uh, which I brought over to Mariano Rivera and had Mariano Rivera sign. And then I brought it over to Hideki Arabu and had Hideki sign. Ah. So I have a ball that's signed by Mariano on one side and Hideki Arabu on the other. And it's kind of like a perfect encapsulation of a... Uh, the yin and the yang. <laughs> but when you but when you uh, show the ball, you have Hideki's name on the backside, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I had, yeah. I had when you take it to the appraiser, you want to smudge that Hideki off. She's like, "Oh, it's only Mariano. I swear." <laughs> actually, I have a, a, a high school friend of mine who's a uh, he's a center fielder for the Cardinals who's investing in uh, my my upcoming night uh, nightclub project. His name is Harrison Bader. Uh, yeah. And he's having uh he actually just hit a uh, a tenth inning grand slam the other day. So tip tip oh, congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what cool. is the name of the nightclub, by the way? We're, we're, we're here talking about it, hearing about it. What is the name? It's called Outer Heaven. Ooh. Okay, so 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 please. So we'll go ahead and recap at the end of the episode, but you're gonna give every single place that people when they visit New York or if they're in New York listening, because we have actually quite a few downloads in the state of New York, actually over the last Three months, only the San Francisco Bay Area is a more downloaded region than the New York City area. So people listening to this, they need to go hit your clubs. They yeah, well, if you're in the, you if you're in the city, find, find me on Twitter and uh, give me a shout, and I'm always happy to invite you. So. Nice, nice. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, how old were you in 98? I was nine years old. Okay, yeah. So you're nice. That's like the start of your sports fandom. So of course you kind of start with three straight World Series, and then they go to what 2001 as well, and they only lose in Game Seven. So of course you're hitting like four straight World Series, and then what 2003 they lose to the Marlins. I want to mm-hmm. say so, man. You're just racking them up there. I think yeah. the 2010s are the just the second decade in the Yankees history that they did not win a World Series in one decade. It was like. Ah, crap. It was like maybe the 70s or the 80s the sweet, and, and then the, the 2010s. One, the sweetest one was definitely the Subway Series World Series, though. That was, oh, that was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Clemens, we, Piazza. We beat the brakes off of Al Leiter. Yeah. Al yeah. Leiter. Oh, man. 
I mean, I probably would have had the same feeling in 1989 when the A's swept the Giants, but hey, I was hey, only, hey. I, but I was only two and a half, so I don't I remember anything. I just remember a little bit of a shake before Game Three, and then that was it, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the the Major League Baseball season's getting uh, back on track this week. A's in second place under the Astros. Our Giants have the best record in the major leagues right now. Yankees are second place, I believe, behind the Red Sox or third place. I didn't look at the standings uh, before the show, but yeah, I mean they're going to be a there. good record actually. That's the thing. They're going to be the there. Red Sox, you know, they're they're going to be there in the playoffs. They should be. I will say, I think you can probably agree with it too, especially as a Yankee fan. You definitely seem like one who's actually like a real Yankee fan too. You probably hate having Stanton on your team, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love the star power, you know, like for sure. I, Very I, Yankee-like, I, that's for sure. I just think that, you know, it's funny because I feel like because there's no salary cap, everybody will always be like, like it feels weird to be rooting for like the evil empire per se, you know, and but there really is no excuse, right? Like we should be in contention every year. The salary cap's so big, so. Yeah, I mean, coming from an A's fan, it hurts, you know. And we're like so close every year, and then those those years in the playoffs in the 2000s, you know, we had Mulder, Hudson, and Zito, and we were and we had Jambi before he went to the Yankees. It was like, oh, dude, like the Fisher ownership group. If you just spent like 50 million dollars more to get a couple good arms, uh, another bat, like you'd be there, you know. It just it, that's it where you need me. Brad Pitt, right? You need Brad Pitt to come and save the yeah. day. Yeah, and Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, great job. Uh, but the was a Nate was a neighbor of my friend. He actually, you know, uh, lived in lived in my friend's building, and I shared the elevator with him once or twice. And that dude's biceps were larger oh. than my freaking thighs. It was crazy. Oh yeah, him and McGuire, all those guys. Oh yeah, the juicers. He man. had veins that I where I didn't even know that humans could have veins. <laughs> he had veins on Is his that veins. normal? Is that drawn on? <laughs> Yeah, he looked yeah. like Bane, actually. Exactly. And not like Tom Hardy Bane, but like really just in the comic books, like over-exaggerating, yeah. Oh, uh, the, Bane. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Yankees are actually tied for third with Toronto. They're eight games back of the Red Sox. So they have some catching up to do, but plenty of time. Uh, the A's are three and a half behind the Astros, and the Giants are two games above those Dodgers, six games above uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and the San Diego Padres. So... Okay, Jack, I know you're chomping at the bit to get to the NFL and fantasy and future bets and everything, but I got one more sport to talk about really, really quick. Uh, NASCAR, our stock car racings, uh, just to recap, Mark is a fan of the 22, Joey Logano. Uh, Sean is a fan of the 9 and Chase Elliott, and my guy is the number 5 of Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson gets a speeding penalty with about 45 laps to go and pretty much ruins his day. He was running in 4th place at the time, ends up in 17th or 18th. Um, Sean, what do you think about uh, New Hampshire this weekend? Very flat. It's a flat. It's a flat-chested lady this weekend. So what are we looking like in in New Hampshire? I again still roll with, yeah, your guy. Obviously Larson. I think Larson's been great. He signed that nice little extension this year uh, today for yeah, a couple of years with Hendricks. So I think he's going to be good. Real quick, Jack, are you at all a NASCAR guy? Is there some NASCAR history? Yeah, so there, there's a bit of NASCAR history that extends to, um, you know, my my father was doing a uh, 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 almost uh, did a deal with NASCAR and the United Colors of Benetton to have Benetton kind of sponsor uh, the wrap of a car, but uh, ultimately that didn't fall that uh, that fell through. But 
Um, I've been a, I've been a, I've been a casual observer in my youth, and actually one of my neighbors growing up uh, was the CEO of NASCAR, Jim Pine, for a brief moment of time. So wow, your neighbor, that, just your neighbor, yeah. that's all. Jeez. But uh, but but that's uh, that's about the extent of it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been watching as of late. So if you get a chance, I mean, obviously not this weekend. It's short notice, but New Hampshire's probably you know an hour or two drive away and you have Watkins Glen, uh, in New York, I think it's upstate New York. You still have that road course to go to. Hey, if you ever find yourself in that area, go to the race. You're going to have a great time because we went to the road course up here in Sonoma, had an amazing time. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to throw something out there for you, but, um, Denny Hamlin, um, he actually averages the top 10 in his 27 races there with three wins. So you have a lot of the top guys winning in, in, uh, in, you know, New Hampshire, uh, Keselowski with two wins, Harvick with four wins, uh, Bush with three wins. Uh, even Ryan Newman has three wins, Logano two. And then the one of Kurt Bush actually has three wins. Kurt Bush being the winner from last week. Kurt man looked good last week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, took over, you know, Kyle and the, back end of the race so that was a good win for him you know it might be one of those you know big names one of the older racers you know which you just mentioned you know kurt keslo newman i mean newman ain't gonna win obviously but no no i know no um but it was funny to see chastain his teammate help him out and block kyle bush and then kyle bush after the race get all in his feelings and start crying and bitching and complaining so that was pretty funny um but if i were to throw someone out there obviously i'm gonna throw my guy larson out um, a quick backstory, uh, Jack, uh, Kyle Larson is the one who was suspended for the whole season, uh, mm-hmm. last year. Cause he was one who was online and he uh, dropped the N bomb uh, oh, live. Yeah. And so he was fired and everything. And, and so he went through, I'm sure a bunch of, you know, the sensitivity training and whatnot, trying to rebuild his name and Rick Hendrick of Hendrick Motorsports, one of the best teams in NASCAR actually hired him. And sure enough, he he is who they thought they were. He already has four wins, including the million dollar All Star uh, race this year. So he's doing really well. So I'd probably take him. And just for like parody, I I mean I want to see more different drivers win, bro. So I want to see I, I need to see Hamlin win one race. Let's get Hamlin one. So, so maybe playoffs, Hamlin yeah. one one race because I want to see them get to 17 different drivers and see that one driver with the win not make the playoffs in a couple weeks. So so we'll see what happens there in NASCAR. But finally, let's get to it. The NFL. Dun 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 dun. So we have an NFL season coming up. We have plenty of things to get into. Obviously, we have, you know, the mini camps and training camp and, you know, with hard knocks. I think it was Cowboys this year. Um, so let's go. So you mentioned to us before the show started that you're a Washington football team fan. So let's get into your specific team first. How are they going to fare in 2021? I'm bullish, man. I, I, I'm great. I, I, I do have some concerns about the offensive line, but, uh, you know, I think that we're looking at um, a a front seven that rivals uh, and especially you know a defensive line in particular that uh, you know rivals some of the uh, Minnesota Vikings units that you saw mm-hmm. with Jared Allen and the Williamses um, just like a, like like completely dominant uh, edge rushers and interior linemen uh, that are going to give uh, you know offenses all kinds of fits this year. Um, you know, the 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 secondary is deceptively stout. You know, we we got one of the steals of the draft in Cameron Curl last year, who I think had something like seven turnovers uh, 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 between forced fumbles and interceptions. Um, so, yeah, I'm very optimistic. And we finally got a quarterback. So, you know, expect to see um, this offense really flourish under the under the guiding hand of its magic. 
Um, you know, and we've got some incredible players on the outside. Uh, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are both ballers. Uh, Antonio Gibson, the rookie from Memphis last year, mm-hmm, had an mm-hmm. incredible year. Uh, you know, he has some lingering toe issues that I hope don't manifest over the course of the season. But, um, you know, he's he's a, a, a true talent, somebody who only played something like 99 snaps at running back in college. He was really more of like a gadget player and wide receiver and then gets thrust into this early down role in the pros and just immediately lights it up. Um, so I have very high hopes for him. He just had a newborn girl. So, you know, he's got something extra to play for this year. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I mean, and then we're not the comic bookies without the bookie side. You know, some people might say it's comic, it's the books, but you know what? I think the bookies is for the gambling side. So Jack, we do a lot of, uh, especially if during the NFL season, we give out, you know, weekly picks and we look at futures, um, every now and then. So we'll look at some futures for the NFL, um, Let's see. I had them up right here. Your Washington football team are a plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl next year. Um, but is there anybody that you foresee, you know, like give me a long shot, you know, obviously it's kind of easy to pick Tampa Bay. It's easy to pick Kansas city. It's easy to pick, you know, San Francisco and some of these guys who have like lower odds, you know, the L even the LA Rams are a plus 1300, uh, green Bay plus 1800 Cleveland, 1600, uh, Buffalo and Baltimore, um, respectively 12 and 1400. Is there anybody besides those guys or would you, you know, put so, your, you know, take the odds. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys what, uh, depending on, on, on how quickly you want to get out of here, I did some homework. So there you go. Oh, man. The uh, so I actually have here, uh, I would, I think it would be cool to go through each, uh, division and I, and I'm going to give you my pick for the division champion and then we can go for a uh, Super Bowl offensive rookie of the year and, and MVP. Man. So go for it. So let's start in the NFC, and and as I mentioned in the NFC East, I'm very bullish on Washington, plus plus 175 to win the division. Uh, you know, I think I think that uh, you know really the only other chalky option would be uh, the Cowboys. I think they're sitting at like plus 110 right now. Sure. Um, yeah, and certainly you know I. I I get it with the Cowboys. You know, the offensive line is much healthier. We're getting Dak back, arguably one of the three be- uh, top top wide receiver units uh, in the league. You've got Zeke pounding in the rock. Tony Pollard is like incredible, you know, on a on a yards per carry basis. I think he was in the top three last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if that winds up becoming more of an even committee. And and apparently this this edge rusher that they got in the draft, uh, whose name I'm blanking on right now, is Penn State. I forgot his name too, but he's a freaking freak. He's supposed to be the real deal. Apparently he's putting uh, Demarcus Lawrence to shame in practice. But uh, once again, I have concerns about the secondary. You know, this was a league worst unit last year, and they didn't do very much to uh, to shore it up. And so I think at the end of the day, like. When push comes to shove, Dallas or Washington, like I'm going to take the team that has studs on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you're really going to see is, you know, Terry McLaurin for the first time playing with a legitimate quarterback who can throw outside the numbers uh, is really going to be due for for a breakout year. So Washington plus 175, take it to the bank. Uh, yeah. And then if we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have but they're kind of close. I mean, I have some books right here that are plus 250, and then the da- and Dallas is plus 115. So it, it's not too far off to take 
you know, Washington. So, you know, if you're if you're going to pick Dallas, you know, you, know, you might as well be a Dallas fan. But if you're a Washington fan, you have some faith like you do. You know what? Take the value. You know, you're going to get a better value so, paid with Washington for sure. Totally so keep, agree. Keep and, it going. And in the north, I'm going Green Bay minus 150. Yeah. Um, I think that now is a good time to make this bet. I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers will play 16 games this year. Um, yeah. And then that uh, number is going to get worse once he announces that he's going to play a full season. It's going to go. It's going to go up to damn near minus 200. I'm blanking on the name of the beat writer right now, but um, but but one of the most accurate and and connected beat writers in Green Bay came out the other like two days ago and said. My opinion has not changed. I think that he's going to skip training camp. He'll be there for camp. And the Packers have said that they're not trading him this year. Uh, I really have a hard time believing that he's going to that 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 such a fierce competitor is going to uh, be able to step away from the game. Uh, it really, when he's still in his prime, you know, I mean, 39 mm-hmm. years old, like he's getting up there. Certainly, he must be thinking about it. He's newly married. MVP but, uh, though. <laughs> MVP candidates. So. So I would go Green Bay minus 150 for the North. What do you guys think about that? Um, oh, r- real quick, that pass rusher you guys are trying to think of is uh, Micah Parsons. Yes, Parsons. It is mm-hmm. Parsons. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Aaron, in the chat. Um, I mean, you got Minnesota and, and Chicago up there. At, I, I'm seeing yeah, plus 265, yeah. plus 350. Um, Detroit's nowhere near uh, a division contender. I would agree with you. I would go Green Bay yeah. as well. Nice. And this is going to be really chalky, too. But in the South, I would probably go with Tampa Bay at minus 200. I mean, they're, you know, Tampa Bay and and uh, the Buffalo Bills are two teams who are who are returning. Uh, Tampa is returning 22 out of 22 starters. Starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, and Buffalo is returning uh, is returning 21 out of 22 starters Jeez. and uh, and their offensive coordinator Brian Dable, who really unlocked Josh Allen last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get we'll get to Buffalo in a second, but Tampa, I feel really optimistic about. I think that you know I think that we can expect to see um, you know uh, a little bit of regression to the mean in terms of uh, target share between Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I, I really see Chris Godwin having. Uh, quite a bounce back year last year. I mean, you have to remember that this is a player who uh, works the middle of the field, which is the place where Brady has always really excelled. And, you know, especially like in his age, now that his a dot is kind of going down his average, his average depth of target. Um, Although he did throw a very accurate deep ball last year, but Godwin was hampered all year, hamstring injury, then broken finger, like played with a dislocated finger was plagued by drops, you know, rushed back. Um, I really think that, you know, with a full off season and and a full 16 game slate, we're really going to see Godwin and, and Brady establish that rapport that was kind of promised. Uh, and he's play, and he's in a contract year. Right. He signed a franchise tender. So <laughs> the most um, important thing for any player, that contract year, he's not on a career year. Like, come on. When is it going to be this last friggin year? I mean, we got, we saw Drew Blee, uh, Blees, we saw Drew Brees leave this year, and they're at a plus 300 on some books, plus 1100 for Carolina, plus 800 for Atlanta. Yeah, I think the safe pick is to to put the money down and go with the minus yeah. money for sure. I mean, I don't I, even know what to expect from New Orleans. It's actually a good number for them not even having Drew Brees. So uh, honestly, my hedge my hedge would probably be Carolina. I know that that sounds crazy, but Arnold. I like them at I like them at plus eight hundred. I I'm high on Darnold. I really think that you see time and time again these players who were 
unfettered from uh, from Adam Gase's shackles uh, go out and do great things elsewhere. And, you know, they went out and, um, you know, obviously, they're, uh, you know, Matt Rule comes from a very defensive background. They've got a young and exciting defensive unit. So those players, I mean, their their entire defense was basically rookies last year. They went out and, and I mean, I, I do have some offensive line concerns, but you've got three great wide receivers there. You've got the best running back in, in the NFL, arguably, uh, behind you. So watch out. And Sam and Sam Darnold can can sneakily run the ball. I don't know if you guys remember. He had a 55. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, and it's going to be interesting to see the young coaching staff, too. Um, you know, get better and better as they coach more in the NFL. Uh, but let's uh, continue on to the probably best division in football, the NFC West. Uh, go ahead, Jack. Give us your All thoughts. Right, Jack, Jack, be smart with how you answer this for sure. <laughs> this might be ending soon. So, okay, well, here we go. I'm really liking Arizona plus 450. Ooh. I, I'm <laughs> End stream. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm 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 all in on on uh, Arizona plus 450. I think that you know we have to remember that this was basically a three-way tie uh, last year for the division lead until Kyler got injured and obviously you saw that 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 lingering injury. I think it was to his throwing shoulder, really hampering his effectiveness down the stretch. But you know they're adding Rondale Moore who is just a freaking bowling ball in the open field. I mean, if you watch some of this guy's tape from Purdue, he literally looks like, like I've seen people say that he's Julio Jones and Cole Beasley's body. Uh, The question is like, is he going to be, is he going to be able to stay healthy? But the guy is just absolutely electric. They added AJ Green, who really knows how much he has left in the tank. I think he'll kind of take over Larry Fitzgerald carries. But um, I mean, I love J.J. Watt uh, and Ch- I think Chandler is still there, if I'm not mistaken. Chandler uh, Jones is still there. Yes, he is. Chandler's still there. So re- two really good edge rushers, Buddha Baker and uh, Isaiah Simmons in, in the, uh, it, you know, manning up the safeties. Obviously, there's quite a few great tight ends uh, in the league. Tip of the cat to your guy Kittle. Um, but but I think that this is a, a feisty team to look out for. You know, one of the best contested catch receivers in the league and DeAndre Hopkins firmly in his prime at 29 years old. So give me the uh, give me give me the plus 450 all day. Yeah. I'll say this. If I wasn't biased because I am actually, you know, a diehard Niner fan like that is my sport. That's definitely my team. I actually would probably lean towards the Cardinals. I mean, there's kind of no reason not to. The league rules are set up for the offense, and Kyler fits the perfect mobile quarterback with a great arm. I actually think Chase Edmonds is going to be a stud because of his ability to receive. Adding James Conner is actually going to add a little bit of stability with that backfield. So, I mean, hey, I can't be too biased, even though I think my Niners are for sure going to take the division as long as their quarterback's healthy. But, no, all jokes aside, I think Arizona is definitely a huge contender I mean, Seattle's still Seattle just because of Russell alone. And I even think the Rams with Stafford, they're the team that actually I think value-wise might be the best value. But I just don't know if they have that it factor. But, they're probably, yeah, it, you know, you can look at every team and you can find an argument why, like, I, I can see that if Stafford goes and has an MVP season with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, if Russell does what Russell does with DK and Lockett, you know, if the Niners stay healthy and rush 500 times this season and keep Garoppolo healthy in that defense. And, of course, all your arguments with Arizona. So I think it's kind of like a flip. <clears throat> it's yeah. definitely, I think, I think the most 
uh, competitive and exciting division in sports in, in football right now. I mean, sure. especially especially with the roster that Arizona has, and I'm looking on one book right here. You can get them at a plus five seventy five. All the other three teams, L.A. at a plus one eighty, San Francisco plus one ninety, and Seattle at a plus two eighty. What 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 blows my mind, and it's also also blowing Aaron's mind on the chat. I was just thinking that when he says it. How the hell are the L.A. Rams all of a sudden favorites to win the West because they get Stafford? They're it's, not. They shouldn't be favorites. Whoever thinks they're favorites now, Stafford's never been a winner. At the end of the day, he can put up no, all the stats people say he's never been a winner. Because he's always been down. That's why. They call him Pad Stafford. <laughs> he'll go into the fourth quarter with 180 yards, a touchdown, and two picks, and he'll end up with 400 yards and four touchdowns because he put together a couple drives and he still loses. No, I understand that. I just don't know why. That I mean, it seems like that's what it is. What else did they add? L.A. I, I mean, I I'm think, not. I, I think so. that McVay will be able to scheme him up. I mean, I think we can all agree that he's a that's, that he's a market improvement over Jared Goff. But mm-hmm. but really, my concerns are the offensive line. Like this is a very, very old unit. There's not that much depth. And and Whit- Whitworth is one year older, you know, and and I, I really see this as almost like a Dallas Cowboys of last year situation where you had an elite offensive line, but it was top heavy and one or two of these guys goes down and then you really start getting exposed. Yeah. OK, let's go to the AFC. So where are you so, starting in the AFC? So let's start over in the east. And, you know, I kind of tipped my pick earlier, but I got to go with Buffalo minus 165. I mean, Love I think that, that- yeah, I think that, you know, Josh, I'm a big Josh Allen guy, personally. I love seeing him play. I call him the great white buffalo. You know, I think uh, he's uh, the dude is just so excited to watch. I mean, he just has no conscience out there. Like he's a scramble. football player. This guy would run. He'll run your ass over. Uh, he's a football player. I love Josh Allen. He's got something like the uh, I think he's got the third most goal line touchdowns over the last three years, including running backs. Well, sure. uh, dude's, dude's averaging eight touchdown, eight rushing touchdowns per year over the last three years. I would be curious to see, you know, you know, that, them just having him sign this massive extension. Like, are they going to keep running him out there uh, in the goal line packages? Certainly, but um, you know, I love that Brian Dable came back. He was somebody who was in in contention for some of the head coaching jobs. He decided to run it back with his guy, Stefan Diggs. I mean, what can you say? A complete career turnaround after some people had kind of written him off. They got Emmanuel Sanders back, 34 years old. Let's see what he's what he's got left in the tank. Gabriel Davis coming into his second year. Cole Beasley. Let's see how many games he plays. Obviously, he's not the most popular locker room guy right now. But uh, a yeah. lot, lot to love there. And, and, and the defense is, uh, is, is stout as well. So, um, you know, Jets, I think, are going to surprise a lot of people. I think that they're going to be surprisingly competent. Um, uh, uh, you know, New England quarterback questions. I really think that, that Mac Jones is going to be their, um, you know, starting quarterback as of day one. Because I think that, you know, Mac Jones rushed for something like 16 rushing yards his entire college career. So I don't see how you can scheme up two different playbooks for Cam and Mac Jones. So you're going to have to make a decision. Who are you tailoring this offense around very early in the offseason? Wouldn't surprise me if they if they, you know, scheme up some packages for Cam. I mean, he was so good around the goal line last year. But I think that, you know, they're going to hand over the keys to Mac Jones Give me Buffalo all day, you know. Um, Miami, they, they're feisty. They're really deep, Miami, uh, skill, uh, especially in terms of their skill position players. Like, I think that we could see six very talented uh, wide receivers active on game day. 
But they lost a couple of big pieces on defense. They lost Van Noy, uh, Van Noy. a couple of other pieces. So let's see. Uh, Miami would probably be my second pick to kind of finish, but I think that Buffalo is going to run away with it. I don't know. If I can get New England at a plus 450 right here, Belichick's still Belichick. Ooh. He just ceases to, you know, always – it doesn't matter what it. I mean, he he beat the Raiders. I mean, I know the Raiders aren't you know nothing right home to write home about, but I mean, I don't know. That's something. It's he scares me. Doesn't matter what he has, he always can scheme up something to to slow something down. Oh, you have a great running game. Oh, you have three uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers. You have a, a you know just you have Josh Allen. He always does something to slow him down. Maybe just a value pick. Sprinkle something on at a plus 450. Not really being serious about it. And hopefully, you know, New England having such success over the last 15, 20 years, I'm hoping they continue this downturn. <laughs> but, I mean, just to sprinkle something on, I, you know, I got a funny feeling about New England this year. Love it. Funny and feeling. If we're moving on to the north, mm-hmm. this is my mortal lock of all of them. Ready? Uh-oh. Close. Cincinnati. Uh-oh. i've got the cleveland browns there we go i'm big on the brownies this year i think uh i mean i just think kevin stefanski has been a revelation i mean he's unlocked baker mayfield with his play action uh uh i think you know getting odell back really helps like like that i mean odell really seems to me like one of the biggest variables from a fantasy football standpoint. We'll see like what, what can he produce in this offense? Mm-hmm. What kind of player are we going to get back? I think he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. I think that, you know, he's a, he's a young man who was thrust into the spotlight at a very young age had, you know, uh, received the celebrity that, that a lot of football players kind of are able to elude because of the helmets and the pads um, and, and maybe got caught up a little bit in the limelight now, you know, two years, uh, you know, coming off of two underperforming years in Cleveland where there's not that many distractions, you know, I really like I really think that he's going to have a bounce back year. And this defensive unit is stout like they they address the defense in the offseason, both in free agency and the draft. Um, they got uh, uh, one of my favorite defensive players from Notre Dame, the middle linebacker, who I think was the steal in the draft. Yeah, Jeremiah. The second round pick, I think, too, right? Yeah, he fell. He was yeah, supposed, supposed to be a first was, rounder. I was hoping the Raiders were going to take him, dumbasses. Yeah, so I think that, I mean, the early reports out of camp are people are saying that he reminds them of Thomas Davis, which is a nice. very high yeah. praise thing. That's good. So, I'm, I'm going to agree with your pick right there because if, if there's one thing that I know about sports is that there's always certain teams that if they're good, the sport as a whole is better. I think if the Raiders are good, I think if the Browns are good, I think if maybe like the Eagles are good, depending on who you're a fan of, Washington, you might disagree. But on the West Coast, the 49ers, I think the league is better when there's a handful of teams that are good. And I think when Cleveland's good, it's more entertaining, I think. And with the roster they have on the offense and defense, yeah, I think they have the total package. Maybe not to... Maybe to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but for sure to win the division at least. Well, with all the weapons they have, I think, especially on the outside, Peoples Jones, Jarvis, obviously, uh, Odell. And I can't even think what their tight end's name right now. Uh, Hooper. Got, Hooper, another good player. Ends. I think all those Hooper, weapons. Joku, and Bryant. That's right. And Joku's healthy now. Joku's a beast. I think those weapons are so important, but I think the most important weapon is the best tandem in football in the backfield. Those two running backs. They're two number one running backs. I mean, let's be honest here. And as long as they can just rush the ball, 
and make teams stack that box and you got a whole bunch of one-on-one coverage and you open up the playbook a little bit for uh gosh freaking what the hell's quarterback's name i'm having a a mayfield Baker. you know it just makes it easy for him he doesn't need to win the games this year he doesn't need to win the games don't add pressure to him just the way you said open up the play action game let the defense do what they're going to do they added davion too Mm -hmm. so i mean they're Pretty damn star-studded, especially in a division where they need to be. Because let's be honest, you know, those Ravens, we know what they can do. Pittsburgh, I mean, they still, to a degree, are Pittsburgh. And Cincinnati, they're just that young, small, superstar, you know, rookies, young team coming up. So there's going to be some competition there. It's, I think, maybe the second hardest division in football. It seems like it is year in and year out. But the Browns, man, they're looking like a team that's going to be favorite in that AFC. Yeah, what about uh, Pittsburgh? Didn't they pick up uh, Antioch's finest and Najee Harris, too? Najee I mean, going to be nice, man. He is. So he has enough, so he had more help in the backfield to kind of take the, the weight off of Big Ben's shoulders. So, um, all right, let's go to the south. we got two more divisions. Awesome. In the south, I'm going to I'm gonna zig a little bit here, and I'm going with Jacksonville. I've got them at, <laughs> got them at plus 600. I knew you were a Tebow fan. Damn. Okay, okay. <laughs> You got sunshine and, coming in. You have Urban Meyer coming in. So, what makes you think that you know are they going to mesh well? Like, like what, like what's your reasoning there? So, you know, I, I I've got I've got sunshine all the way uh, on a cloudy day, and <laughs> really, you know, I think that you're gonna you're gonna see very quickly that the Titans, uh, which seem to be a very popular trendy pick right now, are you know lost a lot of defensive firepower this year are in kind of like a, a, a salary cap nightmare uh, because of like all, all of the contracts that they've executed trading for Julio, obviously a big, a big uh, burden, cap burden. And, uh, and yeah, I just think that there's going to be quite a lot of shootouts. Um, and so I, I, I like the value of the Jacksonville pick. I think that there's that Trevor Lawrence has all the weapons that he needs to succeed on the outside in terms of ETN, who we're going to see kind of playing like a Percy Harvin type role, LaVisca Chenault, you know, hopefully he's getting like, you know, quite a bit of uh, 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 design plays at the at the line of scrimmage. He's so good with the ball at his hands. I think I'm personally, I, I, I like a bounce back year from DJ Chark. Chark. You know, people seem to be writing him off after, after last year, well, it was only one year prior to that that we were heralding him as uh, one of the one of the rising uh, young wide receivers in the league. And having watched quite a bit of Jacksonville last year, I mean, there were not that many catchable balls all year being thrown. So, um, you know, really great running back play and under underrated offensive line and a division that is uh, seemingly up for grabs. So, yeah, I think that I think that. Uh, Jacksonville makes a lot of sense for the for the value that you're getting for the money. I yes. definitely agree with you value wise. I mean, they're the team that I think everyone probably thinks will come in last place in that division. I think on the other hand, everyone's probably going with Tennessee just because of Julio alone. But I definitely have been aware of that salary cap issues are going to have down the line. And we also got to see, you know, how's Julio and AJ Green going to mesh? I will say that them having Derrick Henry definitely sets it up perfectly because you bumbling, almost have to, bumbling, stumbling. You, you know, I'm, I'm huge on the running game and it just opens up every passing game. So if things go right, there's no doubt about it. Tennessee can't easily win that division, in my opinion. But the team I think you also got to watch out for is Indianapolis. I still think they have the best offensive line in football. I think Wentz is actually a prime candidate to be a comeback player of the year, possibly. I think he played oh, on a Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, he was on a Philadelphia team that ran with no fullback. I hated the way their offense was ran, and it, you know I think he was almost set up to fail. 
So, I mean, I Wentz mean, coming back to yeah, that exactly. team. He has no weather to w- worry about, you know, uh, eight or nine, whatever, how they set up how many home games he gets this year. At least that many games with no weather. He has, just like Aaron says right here, he took the words right out of my mouth. He has his quarterback coach that he used to have. So uh, he's in that position, of course. I see a comeback player of the year. Jonathan too. Taylor. Uh, Plus he's got a great one. Monster. Uh, great running game behind the best offensive line in the league. That's that's This is one of the toughest divisions to pick. Sorry, Jack, but it's one of the toughest divisions because it's either Tennessee or Indianapolis in my eyes. You know, it's not it's not the sexy pick, but, you know, I can't lie, you know. And I think uh, we can put a bow on this with uh, in in the AFC West. I don't think any of us are, are we going Denver. <laughs> Excuse me. Sin City, baby. So and and but to you, I think you guys bring up very valid points. And this is actually like a perfect segue to my. I at my dark horse MVP pick of the season. Here it is. I am going to go with Carson Wentz. Hell and, and, yes. Nice. I'm a Wentz. And my, this is me hedging my Jacksonville pick, by the way. But uh, but uh, my my friends told me when I when I when I shared this tidbit with them that I, well they said well if you're gonna bet on on Carson Wentz MVP you may as well just give the money to me you know at least uh, at least it won't go to waste then. But uh, jokes aside, I I'm bullish. Uh, I I really think that. I mean, you you look at Las Vegas, right? Indianapolis. Like, what what are the two main criteria for a true MVP candidate? You need to be a quarterback on a team with a very high win total. Like, if Derrick Henry did not win the MVP last year, then no running back is ever going to win the MVP. So we can immediately strike strike all of those out. So. You know, you're looking at an Indianapolis team with, I believe, an 11 and a half win total. Um, and and Vegas has them sitting right now with the fifth highest point total, projected point total for the entire season out of any team. So we're seeing offensive firepower, inflated numbers, like you said, a running game where teams are going to have to play both sides, you know, both run and pass equally. And. And who knows? I mean, this is this is a player who was it like one or two years ago, 13 weeks into the season, was the chalk for MVP before he went down with that terrible ACL injury. So give me Carson Wentz plus 3,300 all day. I'm probably going to sprinkle a little bit on on Baker as well, and maybe a little bit on my man Fitzmagic, just uh, just to keep it that that's the homer pick for me. But mm-hmm. I have uh, I'm very I'm very optimistic about Wentz. I mean I think that that receiver core is very underrated. It's it's balanced. You don't have like one definitive ball hogging guy, but you've got a rising player who can dominate after the catch in Michael Pittman. Let's see how many games we'll get out of Paris Campbell. But Paris running out of the slot. I mean. When he's healthy, he's a beast. I think Ty's got a little bit left in the tank to contribute, and you've got Zach Pascal, who's just you know he's kind of just a guy, but possession receiver, you know, kind of like a like a like a dollar store Heinz Ward basically. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see, and and a defense that's returning a lot of a lot of injured star star power back. Malik Hooker is coming back, one of the yeah, best young safeties. Safety, safety, yep. So Leonard Buckner, now they're they're. Pretty freaking stacked in that team for sure. Jack, would you put any stock in uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers giving Kansas City a run for their money? I mean, because you can get pretty good value on them. I have one book has 
uh, minus 300 for the Chiefs and then plus 575 for the Chargers. You know, I can get you down as low as uh, plus 1200 for the Raiders, plus 1400 for the Broncos. So those two, they're probably fighting for the last place in the division this year, unfortunately for my Raiders. Um, but yes, do the Chargers make any noise? Do they have a, ch- a shot? I'm very high on the Chargers this year. Uh, I, I, that would, I was actually considering making that my pick. Uh, I think that Kansas City is obviously too chalky to pass up on, but, uh, but, but I would be inclined to sprinkle a little bit on the Chargers, especially because they went out this offseason and addressed the team's most pressing need, which was offensive line. They went out and drafted, I believe, the second highest offensive lineman on the board with mm-hmm. uh with with the ninth pick uh, a, a kid whose tape uh, you know really shines on his tape they went out and added somebody elite on uh in free agency i can't remember uh who it is off the top of my off the top of my tongue right now but you know justin herbert obviously incredible talent last year uh record-breaking numbers for a rookie season but would it surprise you if i told you that he had the highest uh uh um the lowest uh, amount of time uh, sorry, the highest amount of time pressured in the pocket out of any uh, viable quarterback last wow. year. So he was scrambling. He was breaking out of the pocket. I mean, the still offensive made line plays. and still making plays. We've got Austin Eckler coming back this year. Uh, love him. He's like Mighty Mouse, uh, just like an incredible, like one of the most gifted pass catching, pass catching running backs. Keenan Allen. When are we going to mention this guy? Top five receiver in football easily well, when he's on the when he's on the field. That's you know, the thing. Just a, just a top a top route runner. Uh, just like really incredible how crisp this guy's routes and are. Uh, where sometimes like he'll literally like ether the cornerback off of the off of the screen with his cuts. Uh, I love watching this guy's routes. They and, have Santi Samuel Jr. too. They drafted him, so it'll be interesting to see what the kid can bring. You know. Yeah, that that's very exciting for me. Um, obviously, you know, the, the tight end room has undergone a little bit of a shuffle. We've got Jared Cook and Donald Parham in there now. Mike Williams, that's the big one that I'm watching right Clemson now. Clemson boy. You know, I just want to see, you know, this guy is so gifted as a downfield receiver, and he's playing that X role that Joe Lombardi put uh, Michael Thomas in. So let's see if he runs. You know, I would be curious to see how his average depth of target kind of uh, uh, adjusts uh, based on like the new role, because I think that you're going to see him running more short to intermediary routes. But for me, it's all a matter of can he break uh, his falls with his, you know, like like a normal athlete should, because this guy, God bless him, lays it all out every single time he goes he for a dive. Hurt. But he's always breaking collarbones, breaking, you know, you know, coming down with all kinds of injuries because he's such a big man. I mean, he's like six foot four, I believe. Yeah. So thank you, uh, thank you, Aaron, in the chat. He says that they signed All Pro center Corey Lindsley. Yes, that's who we, that's who we're missing for the offensive line. So, um, so the pick is, I think, you know, consensus probably is going to pick Kansas City, but it's going to be interesting interesting to see if the Chargers make any noise this year. Um, do we have anything else in the NFL? Did you have did you have a a pick let's, or you had the MVP pick going. of? I think the Carson most Lentz. important thing we got to get off, you know, is who is your Super Bowl pick? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who is the AFC and NFC we're... picks, and then who's the pick? I'm going. I'm going. I'm. I'm going. Browns plus thirteen fifty. I like that a lot. Okay. And and I'm going Washington plus thirty five hundred. And let's revisit in February and see if both of those are crazy or not. All right. So nice. I I do like it. I do like it. If I go my picks, I'm actually gonna go with a rematch 
Oh, no. Uh, two years ago with the Chiefs <laughs> and the Niners. And, oh. you know, I think it sounds so biased, like a typical Niners, but I'll always have the argument with the creativity of Shanahan and the weapons we have. I feel the most important positions, linebacker, offensive line, uh, running back, and tight end. I think that as long as we run the ball and stay healthy, we can beat anybody. We can beat anybody. I, I truly believe that. I don't say that as a biased thing. I just think with how creative our offense was, we can do the same thing we did two years ago. And we added, you know, Ayuk last year, Debo a couple years ago. Again, stay healthy. Yak monsters. They're yak monsters. And that's the way our offense is. Let's get the ball in their hands as fast as possible and let them go run. And, you know, as long yep. as we can stay healthy, man. I want to give you two Offensive Rookie of the Year picks real quick. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. I'm going Najee Harris plus 600. I love the odds on that. Bay Area boy. I think, I think that my man's going to get 350 touches this year in that offense. I mean, you've seen Mike Tomlin's willingness to just feed the rock. Don't uh, go Mendenhall you, on him, though. Six foot four. Uh, I believe six foot three, big guy, massive wingspan, massive catch radius. I mean, I just think that he's going to have a prolific season. Uh, and I'm going to, but I, but I will give you one more, which I think Sean, you're really gonna like. I'm going to take Trey Lance at plus eight fifty. So how how long does uh, Garoppolo get before he gets yanked or hurt? Are we going week two, week three? It'll probably be more hurt than yanked. So so here's the thing. I'm make, I'm taking Trey Lance at plus 850 right now. And the reason being is that if he is named the day one starter, you're going to see that cut in half. You're going to see that go up to pl- plus 300 most likely. Hell There's yeah. now, I've, I've got a, I've got an interesting tidbit for you that I that I caught the other day. So Trey Lance is actually uh, rooming right now as we speak with Debo Samuel. And they've been practicing together every day. I don't I don't know exactly where in the country they're situated, but but they're together. And that to me, when you have your number one wide receiver practicing and bunking up over the summer with your brand new uh, third overall pick quarterback that you just traded an immense amount of draft capital for. To me, that says day one starter. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he goes in after the week six bye. But in if he is a day one starter and he has. 17 game season then i think that that's looking like almost like it's going to be between him and trevor lawrence basically uh i mean my super bowl pick i mean i think it's more likely to be a a a rematch of last year than two years ago i just can't i can't go against tom brady if i've learned anything in my 25 years of sports (laughs) fandom it's you know if it ain't broke don't try to fix it you know so I mean, I'd probably go with Tampa Bay. If I didn't go Tampa Bay, I would say that um, Aaron Rodgers comes back and has one of those years and just takes their team to the Super Bowl as long as he has – he's only had one year of a top 10 defense, and that was the year they won the Super Bowl. So if he if if his defense comes out and plays for him and and, and does well and it's top 10, then he has a a shot at going to the Super Bowl for sure. Um, In the AFC – oh, man, I don't know. Is it really hard? I mean, I mean, Kansas, I don't know, Kansas City, yes, but I think they'll have a hiccup, you know? I think it's going to be the team that they beat in the AFC Championship. I'd go like Green Bay or Tampa versus Buffalo, dude. I love Buffalo. I I like Buffalo this year, man. That coach, I I love him. 
Love it. Um, yeah, that's my pick. I mean, that's way early. This is July 14th pick, so it could change between now and the time After we do the preseason when we see the yeah, injuries exactly. and all of that. We'll have a better so idea. We have our official, you know, comic bookies NFL season preview the last third or fourth week of August. It could change, but right now, you know, hip. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Buffalo and yeah, let's just go Tampa Bay. Tampa we Bay. Gotta get, we have to get a return visit on uh, on the schedule for February, and we'll see how I did. Oh Good. man, lock it in, brother. You already know, man. <laughs> I've, I've been writing all your picks down as you've been saying them too. I got plus four fifty on Arizona to win the West. I got I got your Super Bowl picks. I got your rookies of the year. I got your MVP picks. So we'll come back to this page in my notebook and we'll definitely revisit it. Um, but I think that's it for uh, NFL and sports. I think that's it for the comic books. If you've been listening the last like uh, like hour or so, you would think that this guy comes from the sports world, but he is not technically. Yes. He has a, his, his name is Jack Mulqueen. He has a Kickstarter uh, story, Nightlife Noir. It is a two-issue, six-story anthology series. We've read it. It's amazing. Go on Kickstarter. He's already fully funded, but I'm sure you can, you know, kick a little uh, coin down to him and help him get you. Um, I'm sure one of your um, – rewards is to actually get the physical copy so um please uh jack uh to the fans please shout out your you know please tell them how they can reach you and just you know say what what you want about your book man yeah guys thank well thank you so much for for having me i I mean this is the this is the first comics podcast that i've ever been on so it's nice to us Sorry, we kept you uh, up past midnight, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to chat with uh, fellow enthusiasts for sure. And, you know, when I when I learned uh, about the podcast, um, uh, I knew that we were going to have a great report because it's two things I really enjoyed, uh, you know, bantering about is uh, is both comics and sports. And you guys are really salt of the earth guys. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to uh, to have you for a pint in New York City sometime soon. So. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Consider, consider it a standing invitation. And uh, if P, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, at Incredible Mulk, M-U-L-Q. And on Twitter, it's at two, the number two percent, M-U-L-Q, two percent Mulk. Uh, and my and my businesses, uh, if, you, if you're in New York City and you'd like to come check them out, uh, I have Make Believe, which is a rooftop cocktail lounge. Uh, in the Lower East Side. It's uh, on Houston and Allen. I've got Her Name Was Carmen, which is a Latin restaurant and cocktail bar on uh, Broom between Thompson and Sullivan in Soho. Uh, we've got Outer Heaven, which will be opening up later this year. That's on Christie between Stanton and Rivington. And that's also in, like on the border of Soho and the Lower East Side. And maybe one more uh, coming in the financial district. I mean, now, breaking now's, news. Yeah, <laughs> business is booming right now, and uh, you know it's a great time to be uh, reinvigorating uh, the nightlife scene here in here in my city. So um, I hope you'll consider checking out my my comic book. I've got the link uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, and um, I guess something really cool to leave you guys with that maybe I'll be able to share some more the next time we speak is. Actually, my next project that I'm writing is a basketball comic. So, oh, cool. Nice. A lot to talk about for sure. Nice. Well, let us know. We'll get you back on the podcast to preview that one. We can't wait for it, dude. Uh, Sean, take us away for episode 120. Episode 120. I think anyone that has a chance to listen to this or who has listened to this knows how special, how fun this episode was. Our man Jack Mulqueen, straight from New York, a super awesome guy. 
who is almost, damn, might as well be a comic bookie. He collided the world of sports and comics with us. We had a great time. Uh, it just shows how multiple people from around the world could come together from the east to the west, literally, and have a great conversation. Definitely check out Nighttime Noir. He has a great, great presence in the comic book industry, and it's just more to come. As you said earlier, obviously, the next project will be basketball-related, so you already see the sports enthusiasts within him. Great time. Thank you, fans, that took the time to listen to us. Definitely keep interacting with us. Check us out. Episode 121 next week. You guys know where to find us. All right, fans. And what I like to do is usually I like to shout out the new countries. We are worldwide. Um, so as, as long as I've been keeping track of this, we are now in 30 different countries. Over the last seven days, we've been downloaded in nine new countries. Uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Turkey, Austria, Slovenia, Nigeria, and South Africa. So over the last seven days, somebody in those countries has downloaded us. So thank you so much for joining the Comic Bookies Passport. It was actually pretty crazy to see, like, wait, wait, hold on. That's a lot of white, like, on this map that they show of all the downloads. So it was pretty crazy. Thank you so much uh, to Sean. Mark will be back next week. Thank you so much to Jack Mulqueen. We can't have you – we can't wait to have you on the next time. But like we always say, uh, enjoy the sports, enjoy the comics, and enjoy each other. Peace the hell out. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.